right, welcome to the big show here. Boondock Underground, and as you know, we kind of encompass everything, politics, sports, entertainment, um, and we've had quite a few people on over the last, uh, I don't know, six months or so that that we have been uh, proud of having on, including um, Kevin Kiley, who, who ran for governor of California uh, in the recall. Um, we... Uh, we weren't successful with that recall, but we'll get into it in just a few minutes. Um, joining me on the couch today is somebody that uh, I voted for for governor back in 2000. Oh my God, uh, you're the one. Yeah, I'm the guy, man. <laughs> I'm the guy. Um, I, in fact, I was telling my partner that I I think every time you've been on the ballot, I've voted for you. So so uh, just a little, little disclosure. Um, I have a lot of respect for Congressman McClintock, and uh, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on. So thank you for joining us. It is Congressman Tom McClintock from the 4th District. He is here. He's been involved with California politics since 1982. I did read that you went to UCLA. Is that true? I did. Okay, well, I went to SC, so we got a problem right off the top. Uh, well, I was planning to go to SC, but then my dad lost his job. Oh, yeah, okay, there you go. Well, what you got to do, you got to get a baseball scholarship or something, and then you could, uh, then you don't have to worry about paying for it. But, uh, hey, UCLA's a great school. Love Westwood. Um, so let's get into it. We, you know, um, we were at a, a function that you did a few weeks back, and um, I asked you a question about forced vaccines and stuff like that, and you gave a great answer. We're going to get into that in just a couple of minutes. But first, before we get into anything else, this recall that just happened. Um, so uh, Newsom came out and said that, um, that, that he was taking his victory lap about nine minutes after the polls closed and said that uh, a vote, this vote proved that uh, people were voting for science. Um, which is interesting because almost everything that he has done um, in in the last eighteen months to two years um, has kind of flown in the in in the face of science. When we're talking about mask mandates, which have never been proven to work, um, uh, and I'm talking about the mandates, mandating masks have never shown that it slowed the spread anywhere. Um, forced vaccines. I'm not anti-vax. Um, I've you know I I believe in vaccines generally speaking, but. Um, you know, he wants to force vaccines. He thinks that people in California want that too, which I, I don't think that's the case, but whatever. Um, school closures, that's never shown that that's done anything to uh, slow any sort of spread. I suppose if you don't show up anywhere, you can never get anything, but uh, and, and closed businesses and, and so on and so on and so on. So I feel like it, it wasn't really a, uh, a vote for science, rather... Um, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to say or how to put my finger on it. Other than everybody that I've talked to has very little, um, they, they don't believe very much in these, in these elections anymore. They don't believe in the process anymore. You know, having people do mail-in voting and things like that. When you looked at this recall, what were your thoughts on it? Do you, do you think it was a recall that uh, was, uh, was on the up and up? Do you think that many people really wanted to keep Gavin Newsom? Well, boy, there's a multifaceted answer to that. First of all, the, <laughs> the results aren't in. Uh, uh, yes, uh, the, the, the recall is going to fail. But what we've seen with the mail-in ballots is the Democratic political machine, which is the only thing that still works in California, and yeah. it works very well, um, uh, gathers up all the ballots and puts them in very early in the process. So the ballots that are counted on election night are heavily, heavily skewed to the Democrats. Uh, in the last election uh, election night, I was neck and neck with my Democratic opponent. 
Um, uh, but when the Republican votes were counted, which are usually cast on Election Day, uh, right. uh, a whole different picture. I won by 12 points when the dust finally settled. So I suspect we're going to see that margin narrow and probably narrow uh, substantially, but probably not enough to, uh, uh, to, to uh, pass the recall. Uh, so what's causing that? Well, when I ran in 2003, the Democrats had an eight-point advantage over the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, they have a 22-point advantage in California. Mm-hmm. What, is, what explains that? Well, it's pretty simple. Republicans have been winning the vote in California for 30 years. The problem is that people are voting with their feet and leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and this is not a new phenomenon. It's, been, it, it, it's accelerating now dramatically under Newsom, but it's been going on for 30 years. Yep. And in those 30 years, we've had a net domestic out-migration of about 3 million Californians. In other words, 3 million more people wow. moved out of California than moved in. And uh, according to the uh, polling data on the subject, for example, the Texas Tribune did a a survey of California expatriates living in Texas. And despite all of my Texas colleagues' complaints about uh, 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 Californians moving to Texas and bringing their bad political habits with them, (laughs) uh, uh, by a two-to-one margin, uh, the California expatriates are self-described conservatives. I believe PPIC did a poll of outbound Californians and found they were three-to-one Republican. Mm. So let's just take that two-to-one figure. That is a net loss uh, of more than a million Republican voters uh, in, in in the past 30 years. That begins to take a serious toll. And then you take a look at where they're moving. I, I have to tell you, a, a week doesn't go by. When somebody doesn't pull me aside and say, Tom, we love you. We've lived here our whole lives. But this state has gone batshit crazy. And we <laughs> yeah. just bought a home in Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Florida, Utah, Tennessee, you name it, and we're yeah. out of here. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, the, the most common destination is Texas. And right behind that, Arizona and Nevada. Mm-hmm. Now... With all due respect to Texas, Arizona, Nevada, can you imagine more godforsaken territory in this entire <laughs> hemisphere? No. Than, and yet, think <clears throat> about this. Here in, in this beautiful state of ours, we have the most equitable climate in the entire western hemisphere. Mm. Um, uh, we have the most bountiful resources anywhere in the continental United States. We're sitting on the Pacific Rim in a position to utterly dominate world trade for the next century. Right. And yet... The census data is telling us that people are finding a better place to live and work and raise their families out in the middle of the Nevada nuclear test range <laughs> than they were found, they found in California. Now, I would submit to you, there's no conceivable act of God that could do that much damage to California. <laughs> That's true. That's but true. acts of government can and they have and people are fleeing. And what you're seeing in California is really no different uh, uh, in terms of the social and political and economic pathologies uh, of any other jurisdiction where the left has seized control and held that control for yeah. a generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see the same thing, sky-high taxes, um, uh, uh, rising crime rates, um, skyrocketing prices for energy, gasoline, uh, water, uh, housing. You see rampant homelessness, mm-hmm. failing yep. schools, faltering businesses, and fleeing families. A- yep. And that is a consistent product of the policies of the left. Yep. Uh, so that's I, I'm afraid that's what's been going on, and, and people have been voting with their feet for years. 
until recently, the population didn't decline, even though we had this dramatic uh, uh, domestic out-migration. That was yeah. because of foreign immigration, m- most of that illegal, uh, and babies. But it's now accelerated to the point where we're actually losing population. And I'm afraid that's probably going to accelerate in the, in, in, in the months and years ahead. And the people that are moving out are the people that are... Um like you said, they're they're self-described uh, conservatives usually. So and it's the middle class. <clears throat> in the middle class, okay. Yeah, I've got a friend who makes a very good living in Utah, advising California companies on relocating, <laughs> and uh, former Californian, of course. Yeah. And uh, his rule of thumb is, uh, if you make under fifty thousand a year, hey, uh, your taxes are relatively low, and there's lots of free stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you make over five hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, then you can afford the nice weather. Yeah. <laughs> if you make between fifty and five hundred thousand, get out while you still can, and that's what people are doing. That's what the census data is telling us, and that's what that's what uh, always happens in a socialist society. It is the yeah. middle class that flees. Yeah. And if you look at the broad history of the left, they have a a disdain for the for the middle class. They do. Yeah. And the Marxists uh, uh, derisively call them uh, a bourgeoisie. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that. As long as there is a large, healthy middle class, socialism can't get a foothold in a society. Right, right. Destroy the middle class, uh, and you end up with authoritarian socialism. But I repeat myself. The So there are a lot of people out there. In, in, the, in the country, it shows that like 58 to 60 percent, closing in on 60 percent of people have are, are don't, don't believe in the elections. They did believe there's some sort of fraud in the elections. I don't know if it's always enough, and I don't think it's always enough to overturn elections, but I do think that, um, it, that it, it certainly um, creates problems in certain districts. In this state, with the mail-in voting, um, it just opens up all kinds of problems. We talked before, I asked you a question before about the mail-in voting, when's it going to end? You you did mention uh, in this event that we went to that, you know, a lot of this stuff goes away if Gavin Newsom gets recalled. He didn't. So what is our recourse now? Are we ever going to go back to walking into the uh, to the polls and voting um, and having some sort of, like, logical sense of, of how we conduct uh, elections? Um, or are we gonna are we going to continue to go down this path where um, we, we kind of know why they're doing it and what's happening, but we have no recourse. It's like, well, we're just gonna keep doing this. Here's the thing, democracy in a democracy, um, by definition, in every election, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. Mm-hmm. Democracy depends entirely on both sides. Uh, having confidence in the legitimacy of the vote right. and the accuracy of the count and, uh, and, and recognizing that that reflects the will of the majority. I am afraid that mail-in voting on the scale that we're seeing today completely undermines yep. that confidence. And there's a reason. Um, if we do not allow... Uh, mail-in drug tests, for example. Yeah. Why yeah, is exactly. that? We all know why. It's yep. because people cheat. Mm-hmm. It used to be, and until and until just a few years ago, I mean, we're not talking about ancient history now. We're yep. talking about a few years back. We all waited until the debate was over. We heard from all of the candidates. Everybody had their say. And then on election day, we all went to our local precinct, uh, which was usually in a neighbor's garage or um, uh, at the, local, yeah, the yeah. local library or the neighborhood elementary school. We looked our neighbors on the precinct board in the eye 
They handed us our ballot. Yep. We then immediately took that into a curtained booth where nobody, our spouse, our kids, our caregiver, whoever it is, nobody could could uh, cajole or plead or pressure or push us to vote a certain way. We each cast our votes according to our conscience in secrecy. And then we took that ballot, handed it back to our neighbor, who in our presence then put it into a locked box. Mm -hmm. At 8 o'clock that night, we knew exactly how many votes had been cast. And usually by about 10 o'clock, we knew the results of everything except the extremely close elections, which right. we might have to wait until midnight to find out. Right, I remember. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and there was a clear chain of custody, a very, very simple, clear chain of custody, very difficult to cheat such a system. Yep. Now, you compare that with what the left has done. First of all, you don't wait until the end of the debate. Ballots are being cast uh, uh, weeks, uh, as far as a month yep. in advance of the election. Um, the ballots are sent out to everybody on the voting rolls, uh, whether they're dead or moved. Uh, we, we've all heard many stories from friends and neighbors of getting multiple ballots in these elections. Mm -hmm. And then they're immediately followed by ballot harvesters yep. to collect those ballots. There is no chain of custody from the time that ballot is sent out until the time it's counted. And that is inevitably, whether there's fraud or not, it certainly opens, opens the, door the door for fraud. Yeah. And it inevitably undermines the public's confidence in the, in the legitimacy and accuracy of the vote. That's where we're at. And, and that's exactly where we're at. And that's, that's <clears throat> fatal to a democracy. Both sides have to have, to have confidence in the results of the election, and that's no longer the case. Do you see a scenario, in, in not just in the states, but uh, on a federal level, where we're going to go back to that, where we walk in and we, we cast our vote and we put it in a lockbox and there's a chain of, of, of custody? Are we ever going to see that again? I don't know. Well, I, I can tell you this. I don't think our democracy is going to survive much longer on the path that it's on. Because, yeah. again, there's, there's, there's simply no confidence in, in, in the legitimacy of the vote. Right. Um, that's, among, that's the problem. Among, you know, whoever is going to be losing that election yeah. is, is going to look at that and say, well, there must have been massive cheating because, again, we know from our, our friends and acquaintances of the ballot, the multiple ballots are going out their residences. Yeah. Uh, and, and that on top of that, we're, don't forget, we're subjecting people to all sorts of pressure. You no longer necessarily are going to be casting your ballot in secrecy. You're going to yep. be casting it at the family dinner table with your spouse pressuring you, your kids pressuring right. you, your yeah. caregiver, your relatives, your neighbors. Uh, uh, that is not a good system. It's not a good system. And, um, you know, we it, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a recall election, um, and we're here talking to Congressman McClintock here in, in this recent election with the recall, you know, Gavin Newsom uh, gets almost 60 percent uh, of the no vote in Orange County um, and uh, and increases his support from 2018, despite the fact that 25 percent of the petitions that were signed were signed by people of his own party. So when you take what you said um, and it's all it's all pretty um, evident that that's what's going on and ballot harvesting and, and, and losing that chain of custody um, starts to starts to drain on people's um, confidence in the system. Um, 
there are people now looking at this recall and said there's absolutely no way. And then, of course, if we say that, then we're deemed lunatics uh, and we, you know, we're, we're all just a bunch of crazy Trumpers and, and everything else. And it's like, th- that's not what this is about, man. It's just people opening their eyes and seeing what's going on. We've got to, at some point, find a way to fix that. And what most people, I think, are finding is that they don't have any confidence it's ever going to get fixed. And so if it never gets fixed... I said this back in the 80s when I was in grade school and people thought I was crazy. I was like, if you let these liberals take over, this kind of stuff will happen and they will find a way to, to, to uh, you know, to, to, to turn these elections. Uh, if you try to question it, you're going to be called every name in the book. You're going to be called a racist, everything else. And now it's starting to happen. And I, at this point now, I don't even see a way out. Well, one thing they are seeing in California is is a number of Democratic primaries and local elections where it's Democrat upon Democrat. Yeah. One yeah. running against the machine. Yeah. And, and and so you're starting to see that sensitivity appear even among Democratic voters and Democratic candidates because they can be just as much a victim of, of, oh, yeah. of oh, yeah. this kind of of loose system uh, as anybody else. So, I, again, I can't foretell the future, but I, I, I can see how it's undermining the, the, the very foundation of our democratic process, which is both sides have to be confident in the results and recognize the legitimacy of the election. And, and- – your colleagues up in Washington, do they, is this a pretty common knowledgeable thing? Like we all, I mean, everybody up there kind of understands what's going on and here's the people, right? They know that people are, it's, it's starting to get, that the whole process is being undermined. Well, the Democrats in Washington are pressing very, very hard to, 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 to make the, to impose this nationally, nationally for all right. federal elections. Uh, that is extremely dangerous for a number <clears> of different reasons. One of which is that if you have a rotten system in one state, at least it is isolated. Right. It's like having watertight compartments on a ship. Right. You might have a problem in one state, but the rest of the states are not affected by that. Right. Uh, once the federal government begins imposing uh, a, 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 this kind of system a- across the country, um, uh, you lose that um, uh, that compartmentalization mm-hmm. that prevents a problem in one state of uh, infecting the entire country. Yeah, and the 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 thing I think that that worries people the most is um is we're not talking about absentee voting we're we're talking about a mass system where where mass ballots are sent to our house got like four different ballots you know it's just it's a it's a it's a serious problem it's going to have to be addressed I'll, I don't want to you know linger too much on that but it's something that obviously a lot of people have been asking about here's one for you uh, it's happening in California CRT um, uh, critical race theory is is now um, I believe it passed. So now it is going to be a requirement for high school kids to take critical race theory, or at least the subject somehow inserted into history uh, for them to be able to graduate. Now my daughter's a high school student. I've had to go out of my way to explain what critical race theory is to her, which means I had to go back to critical theory, Karl Marx, and I had to explain. Now her head's about to explode because this is you know way way above her um, for now, but. It is super dangerous, and it's one of the hot-button issues for people, not just in this state, but nationwide, and not just people on the right, but people on the left, and people in the middle, and people of all colors as well. Um, up where you are in Washington, um, are people recognizing that? And what's going to happen uh, in this state 
uh, as far as uh, is there any way to combat that or is there any way to get that out of here other than maybe finding, you know, electing a new governor? Well, I think parents across the country are recognizing that. You're seeing uprisings in school board uh, uh, meetings uh, uh, from coast to coast. Uh, And because people understand this intuitively, I mean, can you imagine anything more destructive to the cohesion of a society than to divide it up into into warring um, factions based upon race. Yeah. I thought one uh, uh, father of African-American descent put it so simply and so beautifully when he, when he said in an interview, uh, I don't want my kids being taught to hate their white classmates. Right. And, you know, here's here's something that 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 is very so very different about the, the times we're in today. I've spent my lifetime arguing with liberals over the appropriate size and scope and role of government. Same. But mm-hmm. uh, we always agreed on, on certain fundamentals. We always agreed in, on freedom of speech. Right. I, I don't agree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Right. Uh, we, we all uh, believed in the founding principles of our country, due process of law. Uh, and we all agreed that people should be judged on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. The left holds none of those values. Nope. Quite the contrary of, of their position, and it is, it is you know, rife throughout uh, the critical race theory, is that the color of your skin defines you either as a victim or an oppressor. Right. It, is, it is the very essence of who you are. Um, a society like ours can't exist under those circumstances. Right. Yep. Uh, we used to pride ourselves as a nation that really there's only one race here. It's the American race. We sure. come from, from you know, we, we trace our ancestry to all of the countries of the world. There's only one way to create one great nation from all the nations of the world. And that is that we assimilate around a shared group of values, the, the, the uniquely American principles of liberty, of, of freedom, of individual responsibility, of constitutional government. Um, we're all one race here. We're an American race. That's and right. we were all very proud of that. Uh, and we were making such enormous gains uh, up up and uh, up through the uh, the 80s and into the 90s that's right. in in realizing uh, that that ideal. And that's all been torn apart now. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, uh, no good is going to come of it. The left needs that that separation of people in order for them to uh, gain a foothold. And I think people are starting to see that. But I think people are starting to wake up on both sides. It's just a matter of, you know, their ability to do things is such a small scale. But you're right, going to your, you know, local school boards and and, uh, talking to your assemblymen and and trying to get involved on a local level at least tries to chip away at some of those things so that on a bigger scale we can maybe address that, um, you know, that way. a few questions that came in that I, I wanted to get to uh, before we uh, before we let you go here, talking to Congressman Mc, uh, Tom McClintock from the 4th District here. Uh, troops in Afghanistan. So um, we got out, and we don't have to relitigate how we, we got out of Afghanistan. Otherwise, we'll be here all night long. Um, it, it, um, it was very frustrating, very angering. We lost people here. Um, we lost a young lady who went to high school in Roseville, just had the funeral procession yesterday. Uh, um, I'll, be, I'll be speaking at, at her funeral will you? tomorrow. Yes. Oh, yes. And it was, um, and so we've all been touched by that. And, and we know that in war and in, in, in every, you know, these kinds of things in Afghanistan, we've, we, we, we have these kinds of things that happen. Um, uh, and, and we, we, you know, we love our troops and everything else didn't have to happen this way. And the way we've gotten out has been so hasty. Um, and now we keep being told that there's Americans left behind. 
We don't know how many. If you listen to Jen Psaki, uh, which I can't stand to listen to because I feel stupider every time I'm done with it, it's, she'll give you the runaround all the time. You're up in Washington. Do you have any idea, have you been told, do we know how many troops are left in Afghanistan? Uh, excuse me, how many Americans have been left there? And is there any plan whatsoever? Because we've heard that, you know, civilians have gone in or whatever they won't, they're not being allowed to, to land now. The Biden administration won't let them go in there. So do we know how many are, are left? And, and do we have a plan to get them? I don't know if we know how many are, are, are there now because the State Department is not releasing any figures. I, I can tell you that there are at least two from this district because our office is still in contact with them. They were uh, desperate to get out. They uh, uh, re uh, were repeatedly told by the embassy to come to Kabul airport. Uh, uh, they did so at enormous risk um, uh, and were turned away with their passports and were turned away at the gates. Uh, uh, they spent several days camped out there at one point. They made actually several trips there. Um, uh, and, and the State Department finally just simply stopped talking to them, cut them off. Um, uh, so we, we know that at least there are two from this district. Now, there are 435 congressional districts. If, right. this, is, uh, if this is typical, uh, uh, that says between 500 and 1,000. But we really don't know uh, why we left uh, pulled out the military before we had we had evacuated every American citizen mm. and every uh, Afghan ally. Uh, I have no idea. Didn't support. Did, didn't secure why the we, airport. Why we abandoned Bagram <laughs> Air Force Base? I mean, yeah. Trump never never uh, planned to to, to mm -mm. Uh, leave Bagram. That is an incredibly important strategic asset. Mm -hmm. We were going to be continuing there as we as we hold Guantanamo Bay uh, in, in Cuba. Right. Um, uh, why we pulled out the military before we had uh, uh, destroyed every last bit of military equipment there. I mean, we've right. handed the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, they are allied, um, uh, uh, about $80 billion mm -hmm. of the most, uh, uh, most <laughs> effective uh, war-making equipment on the planet. Um, uh, the Taliban now have a larger air force than New Zealand, I'm told, and have more Black Hawk helicopters than Australia. Wow. Uh, this is just shocking. Yeah. Um, and when you consider the fact this was the government that attacked us in Pearl Harbor fashion uh, in 2001, and 20 years later, Joe Biden turns a conditional phased withdrawal into an unconditional surrender. Mm -hmm. It is heartbreaking. And, and the real danger, the greatest danger, is how this is all being interpreted in hostile capitals around the world, in Tehran and Pyongyang, uh, not to mention Beijing and Moscow. Uh, it's very clear the Taliban took a measure of this administration, saw an enormous opportunity, and went for it. Why would we think that the same conclusions aren't being reached in hostile capitals around the world? I'm very frightened about what this is going to do in coming uh, months and coming years uh, uh, under this administration. The um, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some vaccines and some other things that are affecting people domestically. But but just to touch on that again, um, you know this uh, that's another thing that that I think is 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 creating um, anxiety for Americans with all the other stuff that's been going on over the last couple of years. And then to see something like this happen, 
um, and and uh, it, it's sub, such callousness. And then you've got, like you said, Russia and China who have vested interests, uh, and now they're getting involved as well. It's it's starting to um, it's starting to really erode the American, um, uh, you know, the, the public's. Um, perception of what's going on in Washington, the ability for, you know, we think sometimes that Republicans and Democrats can get along and they can um, work things out together. But it seems as though um, we have two problems. Number one, we've got some very, um, we've got some far, far left wing um, Democrats out there that are, that are not like the John F. Kennedy Democrats. They're not the same Democratic Party that they were even 20 years ago. Um, it's been hijacked by this left wing. Um, and then people like AOC, uh, and then you've got Republicans who refuse to stand up. Like um, it feels like a lot of the Republicans out there yeah. are are just afraid to fight, or they're afraid to be called names, or they're going to get they're going to get blasted in the media anyway. You know, what do you see when you're down there talking within uh, with uh, you know without you throughout you know with your um, colleagues and in, in the House and in the Senate? I mean, where are these Republicans who are supposed to be standing up and and uh, fighting for? you know, middle America and people uh, uh, that, that at least lean a little bit uh, conservative. We, we can't find them anywhere. Well, the vast majority of them are uh, every yeah. day. Uh, the, the, the problem, of course, is that uh, the message doesn't uh, carry through most of the left stream media. Yeah, true. Uh, but if you watch the deliberations of Congress and you watch Republicans stand up day after day and fight this disintegration of our country, uh, you know, I think you'd be very proud. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, it's, uh, but because... The left dominates not just the the, the left wing media, but also a great deal of our of our you know, social media. Yep. Not to mention uh, the entertainment industry, academics. Um, uh, ultimately, that big business, everything. That if we if we're relying on uh, the few uh, elected Republicans in Washington uh, to conduct this whole um, discussion. Um, we're we're going to lose, not because they're not trying, but because right. they don't have the 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 ability to resonate across the country. What ultimately, and 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 by the way, what's what is said in Washington really doesn't matter anyway. True. Washington, all the debates in 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 the U.S. Capitol are simply a reflection of the debate that's going on among the American people every day. That's the debate that matters. That's the discussion that turns the future of our country. That's the discussion that goes on every single day over uh, backyard fences and family dinner tables and, and coffee at Starbucks. Carrying that discussion, carrying that debate, is the responsibility of every single one of us as American citizens, whatever our sphere of influence is. We've got to reach out to friends, to family, to co-workers, to neighbors, and engage in this discussion. Uh, you know, the, the, the most dangerous five words I hear these days is, it just isn't worth it. Mm. If that becomes the mantra of, of uh, uh, American citizens, they're too scared to speak out because they'll be called names and might lose their jobs and be attacked. I mean, those are all real fears and, and, and real um, uh, dangers these days. Yeah. But if we don't do that, we forfeit our country. 
there's been talk that um, I never believe it until I see it. Uh, but there's been talk that that Nancy Pelosi may step down. Is that he heard anything about that? No, no, I have not heard. I don't expect that would be the case either. <laughs> uh, my observation is when 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 a leftist seizes power, they never let it go. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell people from the very beginning. We've been doing this for two years. I kept telling them, fifteen days is slow to spread. You put that mask on. You start running around. Let them do things. It ain't ever going away. Like we now, we're, so we'll we'll transition to the to the uh, to the last end of this here uh, with uh, Congressman Tom McClintock. We, you know, forced vaccines. So uh, you know, the state of California has been pretty medieval about it. Certain counties, like L.A. County and those, but now they're now they're in, in New York too. Um, they won't let you go into restaurants and, and, and anything else unless you have like a, va- a vaccine passport. Now, like I said earlier in the show, I'm not uh, anti-vaccine, um, but I am pro-liberty and I believe that people should have the right to be able to make that decision. And and we're seeing uh, this, this massive effort now, uh, certainly in the state of California. Um, but also on the national level, also just a few weeks ago, Biden comes out and says, uh, you know, the and Jen Psaki, we don't have the authority to do that. Uh, we're not going to be doing forced vaccines. Fauci's saying that we don't have to, you know, we're not going to do that. That's not the way to go. Then all of a sudden, they go ahead and do it anyway. And Biden has basically declared war on anybody who's unvaccinated, which is asinine to me. So Californians here... I talked to a mother the other night whose son is going to Sac State and is going to be, um, they said, they sent out a letter that said they will be physically removed if they're not vaccinated and show proof of vac- uh, vaccination. What is going on? How is this happening? And, and, and now that Gavin Newsom has feel, now feels emboldened by this recall, how are Californians going to fight back against this particular um, situation that's going on right now that doesn't seem to have any end in sight. These these mandates are going to continue as long as the people responsible for them remain in office. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the reality. Um, with respect to the vaccines, I happen to think that the the uh, COVID vaccines were one of the great miracles of modern medicine and of of free market economies. If you recall, that all came about when Donald Trump. Uh, cut through miles of red tape, moved uh, uh, entire mountains of bureaucracy out of the way and restored the freedom to pharmaceutical companies to do the research and development. uh, And they could and and given that freedom, uh, they did the impossible. I mean, if you think about it, uh, I mean, I was very skeptical about it at first because coronaviruses, uh, they've been around for years. Uh, Many of the uh, strains of common cold are various forms of coronavirus. We've never been able to come up with a vaccine for any of those strains. Uh, We've been trying for four. 40 years to come up with a vaccine for HIV. Haven't done it. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, in this miracle, we were able to. Now, I'm 65 years old. I consider, you know, my health, my circumstances, I gladly got that vaccine. And the reason is because the science tells us that that uh, it, is, it is very effective at uh, uh, reducing your chances of contracting the, the, the virus. And if you contract it, uh, uh dramatically reduces your chances of being hospitalized or dying right. from it. Right. Um, so I'm now protected. So explain to me how somebody who is unvaccinated is, is a threat. That's what I'm trying. Yeah. I've already, I've got the vaccine. Yeah. I, I am protected. Every ind- Now, would I have made that decision uh, if, if uh, I'd already had the virus? 
I don't think so. There's a study out of uh, uh, Israel. Israel, uh, uh, you, the, the, A natural immunity is 27 times stronger mm-hmm. than the vaccinated immunity, which shouldn't surprise us because the vaccination is simply our attempt to mimic right. uh, what your body would do in reaction to the actual virus. Right. If it's done that, you're protected. Um, if I was under 20... Uh, I certainly uh, uh, would be very, very hesitant about getting it because the science tells us that uh, the the virus poses virtually no risk uh, to people under 20. Your chance of dying from the flu in that age group is greater than of dying from COVID. Right. And and another study also out of Israel uh, tells us that uh, young males, I believe it's the 20 to 24 age group, are six times more likely to develop heart problems right. because of the virus than to be hospitalized with COVID. Right. Uh, so people have got to make have the freedom to make those judgments uh, on their own. Yeah. Are some people going to make bad decisions? Sure they are. We all make <clears throat> bad decisions from time to time. And those bad decisions are the price we pay for the freedom to make all of the good decisions. Exactly. In our lives. Exactly. What's all this about? <clears throat> Certainly not about science. No. Uh, it, it is about uh, a fundamental approach to whether, in, in the words of the uh, uh, that, that great Hollywood producer years ago, whether whether uh, uh, men are property of the state or free souls under God. Uh, that was how Cecil B. DeMille introduced right. the 1956 uh, uh, film, uh, uh, The Ten Commandments. Right. Are, are men the property of the state or are they free souls under God? Uh, DeMille, in that introduction, pointed out that's a that's a uh, a, a conflict that's been going on in human civilization for thousands of years and i think that's at the heart of everything we're seeing today yeah uh, the power of the state and your role in it are you simply a cog in this bureaucracy uh, or are you a free soul born with the god-given right to live your life according to your own best lights that's always been the issue, and it's playing out now in real time uh, under the under the um, uh, 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 panic that's been developed around COVID. Yeah, and they continue to push that panic. And you, you said it. Uh, you know, we've seen the science as far as the the young men um, with the uh, inflammation of the heart. Um, we've I've seen it myself in in uh, some of the stuff that I do with EMS. Um, my daughter's got a medical condition. She uh, she has a blood clotting disorder. Um, she this you know this this uh, this vaccine uh, does raise uh, clotting issues, which is going to put her potentially in jeopardy if she was to get forced to do it. They're starting it. I have no doubts that they'll start forcing it on the on the kids. The the uh, booster was uh, not approved by the one of the, one of the panels. The FDA uh, said that they that would not recommend it uh, for for the kids that are under twelve years old. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But you know they if they force this kind of thing, and there have been in, in every you know, young person who, who, who passes away is tragic, but there's been 412 deaths of kids under the age of 18 in this country. And there's 73 million people in that age bracket, um, that have died with COVID. Um, a lot of those were cancer patients as well. And so, yes, they pose a, a, a far less risk, but I do see at some point that they will force the schools uh, to have those kids vaccinated. They still have them forced into masks. Uh, you know, there are a few counties where it's a little bit less, but in some of these counties, it's it's medieval. And um, so 
I, I guess at this point, the only thing that the, the only recourse that these parents have with kids in college or in school, high school or grade school, whatever, is to, like you said, go talk to the, uh, you know, show up at these at these school board meetings, uh, talk to the schools, try to do something on a local level, uh, because statewide, we're, we're, in, we're in trouble. We're, we're outnumbered. Two-thirds of the le- legislatures is Democratic, and we've got a Democratic governor who just mysteriously won a recall. So I, 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 it's not going to happen on that level, and, and the president's not going to help out either. In fact, he probably, he probably helped the recall because a lot of people who wanted to recall Newsom didn't like what he was doing with COVID, and then Biden comes out and says, hey, we're going we're gonna to force vaccines on people, which took away some people's motivation to vote against Gavin Newsom. So I guess that's really the only thing that, that people can do, right? The, the only recourse they have here in this area uh, is to is to kind of go and, and, and petition their, their local school boards and stuff, right? Exactly. Uh, and, and and that's why the, the left's attacks on, on our First Amendment rights are so dangerous. Yeah. If you think about it, uh, in any human society, there are only two possible ways of resolving human disputes. There's either reason or there's force. Yeah. Our American founders created what they called an empire of reason, and it was underpinned by our First Amendment, the right to speak your mind freely without fear of retribution or or attacks, uh, uh, the, the right to pet, uh, petition your government for a redress of grievances, the right to assemble peaceably. Uh, uh, this is all the foundation of a democracy. A democracy uh, uh, can't exist if people can't talk to each other, share their views freely and civilly. Um, and that seems to be going out the window. So, I mean, yep. we are really at a pivotal moment in our in, in the history of our civilization. And um, uh, it's going to require all hands on deck, yeah. every American standing up. Uh, uh, no more of this, well, it's just not worth it nonsense. Right. Yes, it is worth it. It's, 100%. It, 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 there's a wonderful quote attributed to, to Daniel Webster uh, 150 years ago when he told a group, hold fast to the Constitution and to the Republic for which it, it stands, for miracles do not cluster. And what has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold yeah. fast to the Constitution for if the American Republic should ever fall, there will be chaos throughout the world. That's heavy. Uh, that's, that, yeah, that's a, that's a great quote. Um, a, as we let you go here, I know that you've got some things that you're doing uh, that probably are very close to you in the state of California and it, your job at the 4th Congressional. Um, what, what do you think the, the biggest things facing California as far as your concern are right now? Oh, the collapse of our southern border. Uh, I've, I've uh, now uh, been the ranking member on the immigration subcommittee of the, the House Judiciary Committee, so I've been down there a lot. Yeah. Uh, and what I'm seeing is absolutely frightening. A, a, a country uh, that either cannot or will not defend its border simply isn't around very long. Yeah. We're no, you know, we had control of our borders up until January 20th, and on that day, Joe Biden uh, ordered uh, uh, the uh, Immigration and uh, Customs Enforcement to stop enforcing the laws, that is, stop enforcing court-ordered deportations. Uh, uh, canceled the border wall, leaving these construction gaps that make it useless. I mean, it was it was nearing completion, mm-hmm. and, and each one of those gaps is where where these thousands and thousands of migrants are coming through each day. 
um, uh, uh, and uh, and then he canceled the Remain in Mexico policy right. that had been negotiated with uh, with Mexico. It was extremely effective. Um, uh, we, we're now seeing a crisis of unbelievable proportions. Um, uh, 212,000 um, uh, enforcement encounters with uh, uh, Customs and Border Patrol in July, another 200,000 uh, in, um, uh, in August. Uh, we'll be at about 2 million for the year. The House Judiciary Committee just voted to essentially extend amnesty uh, along with le- a permanent legal residency, uh, um, uh, green cards, and an expedited path to citizenship for a minimum of 8 million foreign nationals who are in this country demanding to stay and demanding uh, that uh, taxpayers support them. Wow. Uh, now, you have to understand, 8 million? Wow. That is the population of Alaska, Vermont, Wyoming, Delaware, Rhode Island, North Dakota— South Dakota, Montana, and Maine combined. Jeez, (laughs) that's amazing. No nation uh, throughout human history has ever survived that magnitude of a mass migration. And yet we have an administration that is not only facilitating it, but is is encouraging it. And and you know that because when you talk to the migrants, that's what they'll tell you. We're coming here because we've been promised asylum, and that's what they're getting. Yeah, and I've heard that, and I've seen uh, I've seen some of those interviews as well with with those migrants down there as well. I saw pictures. Just uh, uh, Ted Cruz posted pictures. Uh, it's happening in Texas as well. Uh, the southern border is, uh, and they're not requiring vaccines, and and uh, they're not testing people for coronavirus, and uh, so it seems as though they're allowing that to happen, but they're waging war against America. American citizens who are unvaccinated. My thought process is probably it has something to do with the fact that they think that they're probably all a bunch of crazy Trump supporters. So it's it, there's a lot of stuff we could go into. We, we're not going to solve all the problems, but it is good to know that guys like you, Mr. McClintock, are out there fighting for us. So we appreciate you and, and uh, everything that you've done for this state over the decades um and uh we uh, wish you well and we hope that you continue uh to fight the f- fight the good fight i know that you will thank you for stopping in and you're welcome anytime man well, thank you very much thanks for having me. it's been a pleasure absolutely all right spotify and uh apple podcasts you can check us out boondock underground also if you go to our youtube channel it's the podcast lounge check it out boondock underground that's it we will see you next time thank you to our guest congressman tom mcclintock we'll see you next time